Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Bees Knees Podcast. We're your hosts, Ben and Brittany, and if you haven't already, please download this episode. And make sure you check out the link in the description where you can find links to our socials and Discord. Happy listening. Last week, it was our oldest daughter's eighth birthday, so we had a weekend of celebration. We went bowling, which both of the kids kicked your ass, Yeah, which was embarrassing for you because there was bumpers and they're six and eight. And I was really trying hard. The The best part was at one point, our six-year-old daughter's ball stopped because she threw it <laughs> and she still beat you. After bowling, we went to my parents' house for a small family dinner. I had just put food in my mouth and then I felt a sneeze mm-hmm. and I had a small panic attack before just shooting that sneeze inside of me rather than spraying my freshly chewed <laughs> Chinese food on the table in front of everyone. No, not on the table. With your sneezes, it would have just gone all over everybody across the <laughs> I'm a dad. I have dad sneezes. <laughs> but this sneeze, I, like I said, I shot it into me. I put all that force into me and I could have sworn I like I broke a rib with that. Yeah, with the way you were acting, like man colds or something, but also just like your injuries or something else too. I was sitting there crying because it hurt so much. Yeah. Well, what makes that even better for me is that, so you have your moment where you're all like, I've hurt myself sneezing and that's embarrassing. (laughs) Uh, Then the one thing that our daughter asked for for like a month leading up to her birthday was to get her ears pierced. So your brother's fiance, um, she ha- is an esthetician and all that stuff, has things to do this, whatever. She brings the stuff over. She's going to do the piercing at the party. And so we're like, okay, Clara, like, just just, just so you know, this is going to hurt. Like, it's not a walk in the park. Like, you're getting a hole put through your skin. Just want you to know to, like, here, have this thing to squeeze. She's got a stuffy to squeeze, all this stuff. And, uh, and so... She does it. Pop. And Clara does not move. Doesn't flinch. Doesn't cry. Nothing. To the point where I'm like, did you do it? Did it go in? And she's like, yeah, it's in there. It's all done. And I'm like, man, that kid is tough. Just stone-faced. Like, not even a reaction. I was expecting her to have it happen, not knowing that it was going to hurt. And then we would have to, like, say, okay, either... We have to hold you down to get your second ear done or we have to remove this earring and let it close in and heal because you can't take the pain or something like that. Like, that's what I was prepared to do. And she was just unfazed where I'm rolling around on the floor with a broken rib a from sneezing. the whole bit because you had a sneeze and our eight-year-old just got her ears stabbed with a needle and she's just like, yeah, this is fine. I'm fine. Yeah, well, you lost to them bowling. (laughs) We like talking about movies and TV or TV and movies because we're the bee's knees, oh yeah. Before we get started with our TV movie superhero content, we are going to take a moment to talk about some current events in Canada right now. There is, I'm sure a lot of people are aware, a trucker convoy of freedom nonsense going on in the capital. Basically what's going on is everybody is sick of mandates and lockdowns and stuff. And there is what has been coined as this 
fringe minority marching on the Parliament of Canada uh, for a variety of reasons that aren't really cohesive or clear. And the reason we're taking this stance is because back in 2020, with the death of George Floyd kind of sparking this public outcry of injustice, Mm -hmm. we had gone to our, at the time, church and said, we would love to see just this church come together and voice our support. Yeah. And they told us, no, we're we're not going to put any support. They gave a couple bogus reasons as to why not. And we thought that was just unacceptable. And we left. Yeah. Well, basically, all we asked was for the church to use their platform and their influence to just speak up against racism. Say, like, we will not tolerate it. It is unacceptable. It is unjust. Enough is enough. That's all we asked. And especially in the, like, where we live, it being rural, you have a lot of racism that Mm. need someone that they look up to to actually make that stance and say this behavior is unacceptable that's why it was so important for us being in a small area rural ontario for the church the church has so much power for the people here and if even just one church said no more, this is unacceptable, your behavior will not be tolerated, would have gone so far. And they just were like, no. Flat out, no. So we were just like, okay, well, we're not going to be a part of this then. Yeah, and I mean, we're not saying we have a a whole bunch of influence or power, but we just wanted to voice our opinion on this, that we are not in support of this movement, and we just wanted to break down a couple of reasons why not. To start off, this whole thing, like I mentioned, is so disorganized. There is no one clear reason why people are protesting. There's people who just want to say, fuck Trudeau. Yeah. Cool. And what? There are people who want to protest the increased mandates on cross-border trucking. Yeah. That is slowing down imports and exports. Mm Mm-hmm. The people at this protest have labeled themselves as we the fringe instead of we the north. Mm -hmm. And it's funny because how many fringe groups they are inviting to this. Yeah. In like there are hate groups coming to this. Mm -hmm. There are Nazis. Yeah. It's sad how many pictures I've seen with a swastika and it makes me sick to my stomach. And I feel like you really need to... Like, take a step back and reevaluate when you see a person with a swastika agreeing with you. Mm -hmm. Like, there's something wrong with what you're doing. Exactly. Yes. And that that should just be obvious, but apparently it isn't. Because you have them also just saying, that's a lie. Don't believe the media. The media lies. All this stuff. It's like, what, where I'm seeing this information isn't even a media source. Like, I, I've seen pictures of the swastika. Yeah. It's it's there. You're just choosing to ignore it, which also says something about you. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the I think my main issue is just the blatant hypocrisy of it. Mm. Like, these same people that are out here preaching, like, oh, freedom, um, and they are the same people who would not speak up 
when black people were being murdered. They would not speak up when their own indigenous peoples were crying out for clean water and still don't have clean water. And it's like, you cannot have it both ways. Like, either you actually truly believe in freedom or you believe in freedom for what you want. Like, these are the same people that go to pride parades and try and tell them that they're going to hell. Yeah, and my favorite one that I saw, which I know you also saw and we were talking about earlier, was there was a truck driving through town with a My Body, My Choice sign. There were many that said that. And as a woman, I am so deeply offended by this because these are the same people who have said for years to women, it may be your body, but it's not your choice. Which is just, like you said, they want freedom for their things. Which brings me to the final point of this. This whole protest is based out of selfishness. Yes. Because... You could go around the world and say, do you like wearing this mask? No. Everybody is sick of this. Mm -hmm. We are all sick of this. Yeah. But we need to come together and collectively agree to use this as a short-term solution of masks and mandates until we can get our shit figured out. And then we can move on and take the next steps forward. Yeah. But and if there's still these people causing such a ruckus, causing such a divide, there's a small amount of them actually like marching on parliament. But there are so many people around here mm-hmm. who are like, yeah, they're doing God's work. Yes. And it's just bringing such a divide that it is taking our progress towards getting the world better back. Yeah. Well, I just I don't I really don't understand how you can say that you are for freedom Mm. but also be the same people who deny so many other people freedom you are the ones fighting against their freedom to be who they are like these are the same people who are denying or trying to deny everyone that's part of the lgbt plus community any sort of right whatsoever yeah it's it's really It comes down to these are the people who are, if you don't look like me or think like me. You don't get freedom. (laughs) Freedom is is just for me. Yeah. It's just this. Yeah. So that's why we are not with the fringe. We are not siding with this group of people. It is happening. It is really disturbing. Every day I wake up and I think like, what on earth is happening to this world it feels like we're moving backwards yeah and it's it's sad but i'm glad that we're using our voices to say like this isn't right this isn't okay we're all sick of the pandemic it doesn't mean that you get to be an asshole like, <laughs> amen so- to that i'm sorry amen to that it's true anyway we started this podcast right at the beginning of the pandemic because we wanted to bring something uplifting and fun and something to look forward to. And so now that that's gotten out of our system, for now, um, (laughs) let's talk about... The Book of Boba Fett. Yes. Yes. Now, it's funny because the Book of Boba Fett has gradually turned into a prelude to season three of The Mandalorian. Mm -hmm. 
it was never the strongest Star Wars show, but it it's like they they knew halfway through filming it. It's like guys, people aren't just people aren't going to be into this. Yeah. What did they like? Uh, they like shiny silver guy. Let's get they, him more. They they liked little baby alien. Yeah. Um. Yeah. I remember when we first started watching it. Um. Like I've been very when open. I first started yes. watching. I've it. been very open about how I'm not the biggest Star Wars fan ever, and that the Mandalorian was really the hook for me in getting into Star Wars. And so watching this. I tried to watch it when we when it first came out with you, and I ended up falling asleep. We had to rewatch the first couple episodes a couple times before it actually I was watching it. Even still, when it's more Boba Fett focused, my folk my focus isn't there. Yeah, I am kind of in and out, like in my own world half the time. Have to try and tell myself to re like, okay, what's happening in this story. Um, but yeah, the last two episodes I've really quite enjoyed <laughs> <laughs> because it's brought back Din Djarin doing Mandalorian things with the dark saber, figuring out what he's going to do. I saw something. Sorry, I didn't mean to cut nope, you off. Go ahead. I saw something though. Um, and it was like, uh, Din Djarin cut accidentally cutting his own leg on his dark saber has to be like one of the most relatable things because <laughs> I feel like if any of us had a lightsaber of any kind there's no way we wouldn't end up hurting ourselves with it instant death <laughs> instant death it's like holding it the wrong way and you impale yourself instant death so the fact that he just got his leg yeah he got lucky um he was doing stuff it had the armor and one of the vizlas who is a descendant of ancient mandalorians mm-hmm. um there is like, I'm hesitant to say it. There's Luke training Grogu. Mm-hmm. Why are you hesitant to say it? Because I don't want to spoil things for people, but I'm, I already did. So it... I mean, I think that we already did on our Instagram page anyway. I've posted a couple of things to our story that kind of show that Luke and Grogu are doing some okay, things. Well, so. Then I'm just going to say it. I was so excited to see Grogu jumping around on those rocks. He crushed the the little, like, remote uh, training yeah, droid. Yeah, yeah. He's he's not as helpless. He's still pretty dang helpless. Yeah, like after he crushed that remote training droid, he fell asleep on a rock. <laughs> so <laughs> why is that just like such a mood? Yeah, it is. <laughs> and we saw the building of Luke's Jedi Academy mm-hmm. that the last time we saw it was being burnt to the ground. Right. There's so many things in this that kind of it's, I feel like it's what the sequel movies should have been. Mm, yeah. Because they were just a retelling of the original Star Wars movies mm-hmm. with a different cast. Yeah. And some of the same cast that just didn't hit right. Right. Whereas this, this is a compelling story. We have new, unique, interesting characters with a tie-in that follows our the last story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I one of the main things that I wanted to talk about in regards to the Book of Boba Fett slash Mandalorian stuff was where we left off in this last episode in that uh, Luke gave Grogu a choice between the Mandalorian and the armor and training with him and getting a lightsaber of his own. Uh And so I posted a poll on our Instagram 
asking what I thought people would choose. Mm-hmm. And 100% of the responders was Absolutely. Mandalorian. Absolutely. And this is Ben's reason why. Because if he chose to be a Jedi, that just means we accept that Kylo Ren killed him when he left the temple. Yeah. And I refuse. I refuse to accept that my sweet little Grogu is destined for death. Plus, I think he would just whoop Kylo Ren's butt. So here's also why I think that Grogu, as a character, would choose Mandalorian and the armor. Mm -hmm. So Ahsoka has already said many times that there is a strong bond between the two of them. And Grogu has already experienced great trauma and loss in whatever academy he was at before. That was the Jedi Temple on Coruscant. Okay, the Jedi Temple. Um, actually. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he, we saw a little bit of that during his training with Luke as well, that he watched people that he probably cared a great deal about die in front of him. And I think that in that, he has realized the importance of the time that you have with someone and that creating bonds with someone isn't necessarily a setback or a... Um, a flaw which yeah. is like as a Jedi you have to be focused on it's kind the of their thing yeah yeah and so that's why Luke is like if you're gonna pick the armor that you're showing your attachment to the Mandalorian who gave it to you and then you're not gonna be a hundred percent focused on the force and the yeah. light side all whatever that stuff um but I th- and yes Luke made a good point of saying that the Mandalorian's time, is a very small fraction to what Grogu is going to have on in the galaxy. Yeah. He has a much larger lifespan. And that, I think, Luke is trying to use to compel him to join the Jedis. Yeah. So this is a better investment yeah, of your time. exactly. But I think that Grogu values people so much and those bonds between people that he doesn't care how small of a time that he's grateful for the time spent anyway. So I th- that's why I think he's going to pick Mandalorian. Plus, the two of them make such a great pair that yeah. I think they it, it would be a little bit of a fan service. Not too much because it is, I think, in Grogu's character. But a little bit of a fan service because that reunion is going to be so heartfelt and just magical. And here's what I am envisioning for the future of that. We have the Mandalorian who has freshly conquered this new revitalized Mandalore. Mm-hmm. He's got the Darksaber that he won in combat. He's going to unite it. He's going to go into the mines of Mandalore, fight a, I think it's a Mythosaur. It's kind of been rumored that like, oh, the Mythosaur, it's it's just of legend. Uh, there's large beasts in the mines of Mandalore. Hey, hey do you want to know a secret? Yeah. I have no idea what that is. It's okay. So do you know on Boba Fett's, I guess on every Mandalorian uh, base or armor, there's that one crest of like, it kind of looks like a mammoth. I'll show you it later. Okay. But anyways, that is the skull of a mythosaur. Okay. Because back in the day, Mandalorians used to ride mythosaurs. That's why when Boba Fett was like, I want to ride this rancor. They're like, oh, yeah, your ancestors rode much bigger things, eh? Mm. So that's why. Um, So he's going to slay a mythosaur or ride a mythosaur. I was going to say, why would he slay it if he wants, 
if they're used to riding it. He's going to do something with a mythosaur. <laughs> he's going to cl- reclaim Mandalore. It's a glassed planet, but he's going to bring it back to its former glory with Grogu with him. Mm-hmm. Because he has left the Jedi. He's still training his force power, so he's gained skills, but he is also trained with the Mandalorian. So he's just like very adept at fighting. And then Din Djarin is in his deathbed and he's about to die. And he says, not like this. And he challenges Grogu to a fight. And Grogu defeats him and gets the Darksaber and becomes the second ruler of Mandalore to be both Jedi and Mandalorian. Um, what, why? Be- what better way for a Mandalorian to go out than to pass on this this icon of rulership in combat. Yeah, I just I'm missing mean, the part like why is why is Dinjarin dying? I'm just saying this would be like flash forward into the future. Oh, okay. Where he has conquered, he has ruled, he like brought Mandalore up from nothing to right. a thriving civilization again. Okay. And then when he's about to die, he challenges Grogu to a fight. Grogu wins. Yeah. And is just like yeah, and that's what I want. What do you think Din Djarin's reaction is going to be when he can see that Grogu can do flips like nobody's business? He's going to very casually <laughs> be like, that's new. Like, he's... Because when he left him, he had him, like, in his little baby carrier all the yeah. time. Or, like, he was holding him or he'd leave him in somebody's company. He's it's just like, like, this, this is, is my, a fully This capable... is my hairy sack of potatoes. <laughs> he'd always leave Grogu with someone to protect him. And now it's like, Grogu, you stay with this person so you can protect them instead. It's going to be a weird dynamic. Yeah. He's going to see him and be like, oh, my little boy's a warrior now. (laughs) (laughs) So one other thing about the Book of Boba Fett, which mostly I'm just super excited about it just becoming the Mandalorian again. (laughs) But we got introduced the first live action Cad Bane, Mm -hmm. which when you saw him, you were like, I don't know who this is. Okay. I I didn't know who he was. That's true. But I was really just like creeped out by him. Which is perfect because so he is a ex- excellent bounty hunter from the Clone Wars TV show. Just like the Mandalorian taking all his bounties and they're like, mm-hmm. if you want that guy, he's expensive. Cad Bane is more expensive. Yeah. He is like the best. So people have theorized... He is the one who took out all of the the Tusken Raiders mm. that Boba Fett had. He, I mean, we're going to find out really soon because right. on Wednesday is the finale. Really? I'm pretty positive. Yeah, all of these culminations it's are going to It's all going to come together. And just fight it out for wow. Boba Fett's throne. Yeah, like he was he is freaky. Like the way his his lips curled around his teeth, his weird pointy teeth and uh <laughs> And, like, his red eyes. I wasn't expecting the red eyes. As somebody who didn't watch the Clone Wars or have any idea who this character was, I enjoyed that they made the decision to keep his hat down over his eyes for the majority of the conversation till the end because the red eyes was a very shocking reveal for me. And it just enhanced how creepy he is. Yes. Now, two things. One, how phenomenal of just like a gunslinger showdown was that it was good but i did predict it the tension 
Well, I mean, they're following the trope of a gunslinger <laughs> showdown. So it's like they're facing off, and then the naive deputy just fucks it all up. Yeah. It's a trope, but it was executed so well. Like, you felt the tension when he's given that just, like, friendly advice of, like, don't go sticking your nose where it don't belong. Which I had a very You funny... had the best one-liner. I was just like, you can't be telling me where to stick my nose if you don't even have a nose. <laughs> Um, what do you know about noses? <laughs> you don't know nothing. So yeah, that whole scene was just, it was beautiful. Him just walking out of the desert. I also saw a meme of it's like Cad Bane walking for 10 hours to make a dramatic entrance <laughs> into this town. Worth it. The second thing I wanted to talk about is people online are the worst. There were so many people who were like, um, in the Clone Wars TV show, he was a bit more blue and his mouth was a little bit lower on his face. And they had, like, there's a, the same guy who, on YouTube, he basically deep-faked Luke's face from the second season of Mandalorian. Yeah. Better. Better, yeah. Than he got hired mm-hmm. for this to do Luke. Right. Which I also found out, sorry, I'm scatterbrained with this because I'm very excited. But Luke's voice was like an AI, like assembly of his voice okay well that makes a lot of sense because i remember like as we were watching it i was saying there's something like who's voicing luke because it, it seems it felt very it, emotionless it at sounded times. like him but it didn't sound like a person yeah because it wasn't it wasn't okay <laughs> but uh so people were just ripping apart the the costume for this and it's just like that's a person yeah i'm sure there is like there's cg for the eyes and stuff but I'm sure a lot of that they did as much practical as they could. You could mm-hmm. tell with the way his nose thing yeah. curled around the, the over lip. the teeth. Yeah. That that was a prosthetic. Yeah. So if you had his mouth and his chin like it was in the cartoon, but at the same time, people who are complaining that it doesn't look like the cartoon just need to go and look at Count Dooku in the cartoon because your argument is instantly invalid if they had have done like cg or something to lower the mouth on his face like Mm -hmm. the cartoon i feel like you just risk more of like a henry cavill mustache scenario (laughs) where it's just like it has potential to be really bad the terrible upper lip yeah only it would be the whole nose upper lip thing (laughs) he looked great it got you understood who the character was it's not that anybody was just like is that cad bane yes it was and it looks great and i'm really excited and he shot he shot so many people so quick and it was great do you know what else i've seen online about complaints about his costume design tell me they made his hat small i know how dare they I think his hat Give was... Give the man a big hat. <laughs> I think his hat was the perfect size. It covered his eyes for the dramatic reveal. The nitpickiness. I know. I mean, I obviously am not one that is really loyal to the character because I didn't know who he was until this last week. <laughs> but I thought, like, he's a creepy character and I think that's really what it gets down to is, like, you're intimidated and frightened by him. And so what does it matter how big his hat is? or how big his chin is i don't know anyway um daredevil we watched episodes nine and ten yes i believe and uh yeah these episodes were very much focusing on how 
Matt Murdock has tried to live two lives. Mm. He's had his Daredevil life and he's had his Matt Murdock life. And in these two episodes, we watch as they are forced to collide and Foggy finds out that the person that he's been shit-talking for the last two episodes and being a coward and all this stuff was actually his best friend. (laughs) So uh, that was interesting. Yeah, it's funny because... This whole time we've been kind of noticing like parallels. Yeah. And like you said, with in this episode, his worlds are colliding. Whereas Kingpin throughout this has always been just very open and like unified in this. Like, yeah. He is who he is. Mm-hmm. With Vanessa, he's very upfront about what he's doing. and Has her by his side 100%. Yeah. And Whereas Daredevil has been doing this alone. Yeah. And anytime he does have someone... The same thing. The second that he has, like, Claire in his apartment, Mm -hmm. he is a different person than the person that is out on the street. So, yeah, she does know what he's doing, but they aren't the same person. He's not really open about his goals. He's just open about, I have to stop Kingpin. And he isn't willing to listen to anybody else's ideas on how that needs to happen or whether or not it's worth it or anything like that where Kingpin is very open to hearing Vanessa and values her opinion in what he's doing. Yeah. I don't know what he would do if she challenged him to stop. I feel like he'd be like, no, she's not the one for me. Yeah, I don't know. Because, like, he was very lucky, I guess, in the fact that she was like, yeah, I support you all the way. Yeah, because he very honestly believes he's doing the best thing for Hell's Kitchen. Yes. Which is... Which, again, like, it's very interesting to watch because they both believe that. Mm -hmm. They both 100% wholeheartedly believe that. But somehow in the way that that Fisk presents it to Vanessa, it has her believing in him as well. Yeah. Like, she doesn't recognize the harm he's doing. She, She recognizes that, you know, you have to hurt some people for the greater good and she is convinced that he's you know eliminating the scum like the crime and the people that are you know sex trafficking and things like that and she's like yeah sure that those things do need to stop i'm on board where daredevil has failed so far to convince the people that love him that what he is doing is for the greater good and needs to happen and they don't 100 percent support him yeah, so my favorite parts of these two episodes have just been the constant fights. Yeah. We start off episode nine with this ninja fight. And it's just like, we have no context. We just see a really good fight scene. Yeah, like in so much so that when we first started watching it, I was like, did we miss an episode? <laughs> did we fall asleep while it was still playing on Netflix and we missed an episode? Because it just starts in the middle of this vicious fight. Yeah, and then through the episode, it kind of backtracks and shows us how we got there while still intermittently giving us clips of it. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like, here's here's the cool thing, long drawn out, finish the cool thing. Yeah. It, was, it was very well placed throughout the episode. Mm-hmm. But then the culmination of this has Nobu saying like, oh, you're such a, like a honorable... Yeah, well, like opponent. a worthy opponent. Yeah, like it's going to be an honor to take your life. Yeah. And then, like, with some very quick thinking, kind of gets him out of the situation. 
but then immediately after. Yeah, when he's like near death already. Kingpin comes out and is just like, I finally got you. And he kicks the shit out of him some more. Well, because Daredevil is so ballsy. Like, <laughs> he, he has he has just nearly died in this fight against Nobu. And his nemesis comes out completely healthy, hasn't been hit at all. And he's just like, I'm going to kill you. It's like, dude. Why are you initiating a fight right now? You know you can't win. Yeah. You can hardly breathe. Like, I'm surprised you're not drowning on your own blood right now. I am honestly shocked that Kingpin, when he was beating the shit out of him... That he, he stopped? Didn't, he didn't just grab him and then pull the mask off. Yeah, like, pull. we always wonder that. In every single hero thing, there's always a time when the villain has a chance to just expose the the hero Mm -hmm. and they never do it because he had complete dominance of that fight see the thing is i don't think he cares to know who he is like i don't think he like he feels that he's a he's a bother and he's a menace but in that moment he's like this guy's as good as dead like i don't have to worry about him anymore i don't give a shit who i feel like he was also very confident that he was going to die in that moment yeah and then they would find out who he was right but then he jumps through a window to live another day Mm -hmm. crawls into his apartment and then foggy finds foggy him. finds him which good thing foggy did find him otherwise he probably would have bled out and died in his apartment yeah and i i'm pretty sure it was implied that foggy called claire to come stitch yeah, him up it was it definitely and was. then she just left left yeah <laughs> she came while he was unconscious stitched him up bailed probably some sort of like scheduling issue yeah. <laughs> like she was probably busy in like the She'd Punisher or something. No. It was I know, way too it, early. I know that. Do you? Like I think so. <laughs> she I, was probably in the Punisher. Oh yeah, or one of the other. Or Luke Cage or something. Something. One of the other ones. Anyway, yeah, so she <laughs> she came, stitched him up. And uh, the re- the next episode was basically just like foggy interrogating him the whole time, thinking that their entire relationship was a lie. Yeah, and there was so many like flashback scenes to them in college, like mm-hmm. just being buddies. Yeah, and there were so many just such endearing moments yeah. between the two. Mm-hmm. Foggy is by no means my like close to my favorite character, but seeing college foggy and college matt bond yeah it, he it made me dislike the character more less. no less yeah yes. i was gonna say it made you more fond of the character yes that's what i was trying to yeah. say <laughs> yeah he because the foggy that we've seen so far um has been kind of womanizing well trying to be womanizing but failing because he is has, foggy yeah and has been like oh like matt's the attractive one he's got away with the ladies and i don't and, and has also been just like kind of annoying because he just wants success right away yeah and uh but at the same time he has had really endearing moments as well like um we had what sparked all of this with the fight scenes and everything was the death of mrs cardenas because that was somebody that foggy and Karen had become quite fond of and had really genuinely tried to help her out of their own pocket. Yeah. And it showed his 
good nature to him that he just really does want to help people and even though he talks a lot about money and he talks a lot about getting women he does really care about just helping people who are in need and he took the death of mrs cardenas very very hard yeah because the whole time he was pushing her like no we'll fight for you 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 stick it out here Mm -hmm. and then as far as he is aware at the time just some random junkie stabbed her for her purse yeah and then we find out that was actually a trap set by fisk which is also like it's one of those rare moments because like we've said they've been going in these parallels of like they're kind of doing the same thing they both kind of believe the same thing but are going about it in different ways and in some ways matt looks like the villain and fisk looks like a hero in a really twisted way in the way that it's set up like we know that's not the case but as we're watching everything play out there's no reason why one would believe otherwise if they were put in this scenario and not able to see everything else yeah right yeah and so it's these little moments that remind us why no matt is the hero and fisk is the villain because fisk didn't hesitate for a second to kill an innocent person just to trap the devil of hell's kitchen yeah and matt would never do something like that and so it's like those little things that are happening that remind us that we are actually on the side of the hero and fisk is a bad dude yeah and uh so this episode ended on i guess the set of episodes ended on another cliffhanger that i have no memory of how it concludes because Fisk is at this party and they're all drinking champagne and him and his money guy are there. Oh, yeah. And everybody who's drank the champagne just starts like foaming, foaming at, the at, mouth. at the mouth. Yeah. And Vanessa was one that. of them. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I don't rem- I don't think this is where Vanessa dies. I don't. I honestly have no memory exactly. whatsoever. It's honestly, so I had forgotten about it. I didn't know where you were going with this like uh-huh. you can hear if we were to listen back you can hear the moment of realization that i figured out what you were talking about <laughs> and it was like halfway into your introduction because oh. i had no idea <laughs> all right because i forgot how the episode ended yeah so like fisk with this uh kind of guiding voice like if this is the moment she dies or like if something happens where she can't she can no longer help guide him mm-hmm one, he's going to go off the rails because of who he is as a person. Yeah, and his attachment to her. But then I feel like he's also thought a lot clearer since adding her to his decision-making. Yeah. So I feel like all of his plans are going to get a lot more cloudy. They're going to be less coordinated and just more vicious. Yeah. Like the slamming of the door. Yes. Oh, that was... That was... uh that was something yeah because like fisk has gotten more cold with the miss cardenas mm-hmm. killing and stuff but he hasn't been as brutal yeah he hasn't been as rash yeah he's been more well thought out he isn't acting impulsively which is one of his strengths to begin with but when he loses his temper it's like all rationale goes out the window <laughs> and vanessa helps keep him grounded and helps keep him level-headed 
So without her, it's like he's just going to be seeing red constantly and he's not going to be thinking rationally at all. At least what you would expect from like a psycho to be rational. (laughs) In our rewatch of this series, this is the first time where I cannot wait to To see the next bit. Because with Matt's worlds colliding, uh, Fisk maybe losing Vanessa, and then like those two... The forces coming at each other, there's just going to be a whole lot of just, like, action and Yeah, I would think drama. so. Drama. You know, I have to say, as two people who are very much uh, binge TV watchers, we have been so good at pacing ourselves yeah. and only allowing ourselves the two episodes that we talk about in the podcast so that we can give our full attention onto every specific little detail that we notice in those. And even though there are cliffhangers like that where we're so tempted to just be like, yeah, play the next episode. Let's find out what ha- yeah, what's happening I was, next. I was very tempted to let it keep yeah. on playing. <laughs> We've done so well at making sure that for the sake of the podcast and what we're talking about, we only watch two episodes at a time. So I'm proud of us. I hope everybody else is proud of us too. It's been a struggle. (laughs) So if you guys want to let us know how proud of us you are, make sure to check out the link in the description. Hit us up on Instagram. Hit us up in Discord. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. Thank you guys so much for joining us this week. If you haven't already, please download this episode. And while you're at it, you might as well recommend us to a friend. Anyway, have a good week, and we will talk to you next Tuesday. Mm